You're listening to the Names Not Numbers podcast with me, Julia Hobsbawm of Names Not Numbers and Editorial Intelligence in association with the Financial Times. I'm Mary Loudon. I'm an author. I'm a, 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 Julia just said to me, you will tell them you're an alumni of um, Names Not Numbers. I've been before, is what that means, um, as many of us have here and, and many haven't. Um, I hope everybody's had a wonderful time. I just wanted, before we... Um, in a sense, share our highlights with you um, to point out, well, to point out one thing and to do another one is that I am actually wearing my own glasses because I need them. They're not here to make me look clever. Um, That wouldn't work. (laughs) And I would like to say, firstly, a huge thank you, most obviously, of course, to Julia, but also to her team, and not just those people whose names appear on the bottom of emails that we receive, but those people whose names we don't know who are not numbers, but who are Jenny, Jess, Joe from Inspired Events, and their helpers, Nikki and Chris, and the EI team, Emma Fisher, Rachel Horrigan, Rachel Campbell, Alex Geraghty, Ricardo Steele, Liberty Oberlander, and Georgia Bendat. Could we all express our thanks to all those so much. And with me today, I have on my left, Leo Johnson, sustainability expert and author, Robert Phillips, visiting professor at Cass Business School, and Viv Groskop, writer and stand-up comic. Um, And we're all going to share, I suppose, our our highs here, as opposed to our lows, of which I think probably very, very few, if any. I would like to start by saying that when um, Andrew, my husband, and I married, the person who gave the address at our wedding got around the fact that he was about to splice two agnostics in the local church by saying that actually when people do an important thing together, they must bring what is sacred to them to a sacred place. And I feel actually that what we've done this weekend together is have the privilege of bringing ourselves and what is sacred to us to a sacred place and that place being not just the physical place, Albra, the coast, but the place that is, that is us as a collective. And for me, that's been a very, very moving experience. I've been moved, I've been uplifted, I've been nourished, thrilled, relieved. I've been moved by many, many things that people have said and, and done, conversations I've had, particularly um, to name just one by Damien Barr's wonderful account of um, the feelings behind why he wrote his book, Maggie and Me, uplifted by 15-year-old Sarah Gill and that incredible gift we had of her two beautiful performances early on in our weekend, nourished by the quality of debate, humbled by it, humbled by the individuals I've met and not met before, by those people I'm meeting again, who I would call my friends now. Um, thrilled, above all, finally to be a cool girl, aged 46, because that's cool, not cool. Um, because <laughs> I was never, ever the cool girl at school, but when, when searching for a place on the bus with Harvey last night after the party, I said to Harvey, shall we sit here? And Harvey said, no, I'll go to the back. And I've never been invited to the back of the bus, ever. So, Harvey, thank you, because officially I now rock. Um, and relieved to know also that um, uh, the Queen wasn't actually interrupting Aminata the day that uh, Aminata went, went to meet her. That's a good thing, otherwise it would have been a matter of where's my mug? I've got to have my mug to write. Um, 
And actually, I've been moved, uplifted, nourished, thrilled, relieved by many things and many people, but perhaps by one person at one point in a way that I think perhaps will resonate with all of us with, by Simon, the sweet and orchidaceous Simon Sharma, simply pertaining to orchids, very appropriate adjective for him. Um, and his really, uh, his recalibration for me of what Jewishness really might mean. Um, and I was extremely moved by that. Um, what did I learn? I learned more than I could possibly begin to share with you here. Um, I learned very trivially that as an author who's published overseas as well as this country, I'm what's known as an intangible export. So that's nice. Um, I learned also that people now don't talk about liquid assets, they talk about fungibles, which I think is an incredibly ugly word, um, even though it sounds like intangible fun. Um, I've heard a lot of people use the word disconnect as a noun. It's not, it's a verb. Um, and uh, I've, um, I've, I've kind of thought a lot about numbers, numbers, names, letters, and I don't know about you, but um, there are numbers other than NW3. That's a joke, by the way, it's not. <laughs> um, I, was very, I was very intrigued by the discussion we, we all heard and shared about the self and mental illness. It had particular interest for me, having grown up with a schizophrenic sister, having lived closely with someone with chronic depression, and now having a parent with vascular dementia, whose character is both calcifying and at the same time bits of it breaking off and drifting away rather like twigs on a fast-flowing river, uh, as we all watch. Um, I found that a very interesting discussion. I think many of us did. I think many people were, were stimulated by that, and it gave a lot of people um, food for thought. But I, I suppose I'd like to finish my little bit, in a sense, by calling on my husband, Andrew, just to, to feed me a line, because I wanted to say that, in a sense, there was one word uh, for me where art, creativity, manufacture, business, landscape, and character all collided in one magnificent moment. It's just one word. And Andrew, if for one moment you could be Conrad Shawcross, that would be great. The burdens of, the burdens of marriage are many. Um, so I'm Conrad Shawcross, and I'm saying to Maggie, thing, of course, I do my art in many media. I have not yet had an opportunity to see your shells. They must be in bronze. Steel. <laughs> so, steel character, steel manufacture, the steeliness of creativity and the flexibility, flexibility of creativity. Um, and it encapsulated for me something very, very concrete about here, which was both the the opposites, if you like, the self, the collective, the steely resolve, the determination uh, that exists in so many people here who've done extraordinary things, but the openness to ideas, the plasticity, if you like, of people's thinking, the flexibility of people's characters when meeting new people and new ideas, when taking new thoughts for a walk. Uh, so I would like to say to everyone who's organized this and to everybody here, um, a big thank you for making this what it is. It's a very difficult thing to describe, but I think we're all going to leave feeling 
the richer for it. I know I am, and I'd like now to hand over, without further ado, to Robert to share his thoughts. Thank you. The, the first thoughts I had was when I was last invited to the back of the bus, um, and I think it was the violin teacher at school, um, and I <laughs> politely declined. Um, anyway, um, I, I suppose my reflections were that if I had nominations to make at the end of, uh, end of the Names Not Numbers escapade, I would nominate Douglas Alexander as Prime Minister, Jude Kelly as Culture Secretary, and uh, Simon Sharma as Chief Rabbi. Um, and I think that the world would be a much richer place with a guest appearance by Steve Richards as Tony Benn. Um, I think it would be a good thing to do. Um, I've tried to group my highlights into, into three themes that are quite dear to me, which are walking, democracy and sex. Um, I'll start with walking. Um, and and I, I don't think we can underestimate... I mean, Julia, for those of us that were there at the beginning, I don't know what you were, multiple alumni we could be. Alumni. Yeah. Lots of eyes at the end of it. But... Uh, you know, it's, it's much nicer not to have to travel six hours to be with your friends and colleagues, uh, lovely though Port Marion was. But I think that the walking space that we've had here in Suffolk around Auburn, Thorpness and Snape has been really magical. And actually, the event has been as rich for the time we spend out of the sessions, talking about the sessions, as we have from within the sessions. And I think that is a, a terrific addition. But this theme of walking uh, came back to me a couple of times. I, I, I've noted from some of the tweets that I've been sending during the during the sessions, um, Sarah Churchwell's tweet uh, after Amanetta Former's talk yesterday, and she said, well, you know, um, uh, Amanetta said, I take a thought for a walk. I thought it was a really rich... Esther. Idea. Sorry? Esther. It was, oh, it was Esther who yeah. said that, I take a thought for a walk. Uh, well, Sarah's tweet was wrong, so don't blame me. Um, and um, just like Paul Clay said, he takes a line for a walk. So I think this idea of walking is, is quite rich. And, and I think a lot of us, certainly in conversations with many of you about the highlights of the day is that whole session on art and literature and also on, on creative spaces. Um, and again, it was definitely Esther because she talked about her need for her own universe when she creates and the same that, that Lucien had in, in his studio. And I was also very touched by uh, Maggie Hambling, or Maggie Rambling, as someone tweeted accidentally, uh, said, art delivers truth which I thought was a, a very powerful thing. So as we walk away um, from names, not numbers, I think we do well to ask ourselves what connects us to ourselves, what connects us to our, our own creative spaces. On the theme of democracy, um, uh, again, I wonder some of the, the, the politicians present gave some, some really wonderful sound bites. Um, David Davis said over breakfast, politicians are terrified of the electoral consequences of telling the truth. Um, and I thought that was um, quite insightful. Um, uh, Douglas Alexander, a couple of things. He said, the answer to low turnout in elections is higher ideals. And I thought that was, that was quite a touching comment. He also said that, that trust needs humility, and I think all leadership needs um, humility. Um, and he also said, we need the transfusion of power from states to citizen. Um, which I think has 50 shades of my own work on citizenship, so I was rather chuffed with that. But the really important contribution to that debate, I think, came from a tweet from Norena Hurt. She said, only collective action can solve global crises, but the major players are simply absent. And I thought that was, that was good. She said, individualism is sometimes counterproductive. Um, and I think that we all realise that the healthiest democracy is the rock and roll politics uh, of democracy, as evidenced last night. And then finally, on, on science, love and sex, um, I was really struck yesterday, um, and I was discussing this with, with Mark Henderson over lunch, by the, 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 the very low number among us of people who are actually qualified to talk about science. 
that show of hands, sort of four people with science degrees, I wasn't one of them, and 146 people with degrees in arts and the humanities. And I was also very taken with Lucy Preble, really holding her own uh, on, on the art of science among the scientists. And, of course, we all want to know what the future holds. We're also leaning forward to, to Sarah J. Blakemore and to, um, to, to Ray Dolan, and we say, well, you know, what's it going to be like 30 years hence? Um, and, and some of the questions that came out of that I think have been the most provocative of, of the whole session around the nature of real love, real love versus medicated love, and then driving towards these questions around sort of what is truth and, and what is reality. Um, but I think that we were most excited by this concept of wearing sort of bicycle-style helmets um, for deep brain stimulation. Mm. Even, and, and when they said, well, that might require invasive surgery, I was, no, it's fine, I'll wear the helmet. And it sort of meant that sort of Woody Allen, second time referenced um, uh, in the space of 45 minutes, but Woody Allen's orgasmatron, um, as uh, per his film in Sleeper, will actually come into reality, science fact, by, uh, by 2043. And I suppose in closing my comments, I'd say, you know, going to the, the, the conversation this morning that, that Helena and Ben shared about what connects us and that whole idea of whether it's love that connects us or, or maybe it was sex. And it just reminded me of another Woody Allen quote, sex without love is an empty experience, but as empty experiences go, it's one of the best. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Robert. Um, Leo. Thank you. Thanks a lot. I would like to start with permission from people with a low light. Is that possible? No, no, not low light, with a low light, not a highlight. And the low light is a completely, it's a recent arrival, which was to be given the news that my brother sells more than 15% more copies. Than I, I was having such a good time till then. The that just really punched me, punched me in the heart. The only hope I've got is that thing that it's actually, it's men buying it, so... I'm going to research, is he in fact a gay icon? And it's not with a poofist icon, a poofist icon. Then I'm happy, then I can deal with it. All right, that was my one, was my one low light. And this amazing, amazing, and the, the single thing that struck me the most powerfully is that this is a completely matriarchal and women-dominated event where all the intellectual content has come from women. Thank you. <laughs> but it's just been a complete feast of women's minds and thoughts and creativity. The odd occasional intervention by men that we can thank so much for. And did we see it on the GQ thing? There was no women comics, and there should have been Viv. There should have been Viv there, among others. Okay, so look, some highlights. What I'd just like to propose, put the other leg on too. What I'd like to... I would like, I would like you to... You wonder where this family streak of populism I've got, I got some this in my head. She's got beautiful calves, by the way. I've got these unresolved images in my head of things I can't quite process. And I don't want to big this up too much, but I'm thinking that they are unresolved and they're stuck in my head, maybe because I'm stupid and I'm still hungover from last night, but also maybe because they are these moments... That felt delicious. They are these moments where, um, where actually what we've got to is stuff that's more complicated. That as a result of connecting with someone else, we've seen something that went a tiny bit below the level at which we normally process stuff and which we're comfortable with stuff. Okay, so what are, they, what are those moments? The first of them um, is, well, obviously the thing that Damien said. So you've got this image of him looking at the TV screen in which Maggie is emerging, this woman he loves, Maggie is emerging, hair unruffled from the rubble, and next to him at the bedside hair bedraggled, puffing at the cigarette, is his mother, another woman he loves, grieving at the fact that Maggie is emerging alive from the rubble. Him, a Thatcherite, but not a Tory. So the complexity 
of that dynamic. Another moment for me is um, obviously the moment of the exchange between Sharma and Maggie Hamlin. <laughs> humbling, humbling as she could be known. And it, it was a handbagging. It was truly, it was, it, was it was a sweet moment. But then just the complexity of this again, because we then went to the, to the scallop, scallop, whatever it is, and with, with a group of us. And we did a sort of postmodern, ironic team photo where we're all saying the word to the camera, we're all saying the word munk, which, by the way, is an arty reference to an expressionist painter, for anyone who missed it. Okay. We were all saying the word munk, and the whole thing was sort of an attempt to, because Sharma was there, and we were sort of getting back on his side by pretending, in a way, to mock this scallop. But when you looked under it, and I took him to see it, though he sort of turned away from it. There was this little undulation, exactly like the shape of the scallop, where a body had lain under it. And there were also three flowers. So this place, this shell, is actually working. It is part of the community. People are going there. And maybe they're laying flowers for people who died, who loved it. So that was another interesting image for me. Uh, another one. I'll only give you two more, because otherwise I recognize this is a very exhausting process to go through. Um, Another one is, uh, of course, the um, Molly Deneen thing. Now, you know, she's a wonderful filmmaker. And, of course, to see how far we've gone from the cows on the cave to the shot cows of her film was a, was a visual contrast. But for me, it was that image of Blair. Just that one. If I was to, if I was to, if it's one image that will not leave me, from this weekend. It's that image of us watching Blair, the architect of this great vision that is going to take us away from the politics of the ego towards the politics of civic intent. Okay, it's us watching Blair filming himself, filming himself. <laughs> He's filming himself in the mirror, filming himself, filming himself, all in order to learn how to appear more natural. So to see the Blairite vision collapse into a hall of mirrors, all of that condensed into one still frame was another thing. And then I'll end with one last one, um, which probably, probably my highlight of the thing, which was not an original image from anyone in the room, which was Esther Freud paying homage to someone else who she'd researched, which is this image of the mud and then walking and then feet on the mud and then the feet sensing below the mud, somewhere under the mud, that there are fish moving. And I, I guess it's maybe stayed with me, not just because it's so sensual and so tactile, but because there's something there around truths, and truths as this fleeting, hidden, squirming thing that you've got to lance, that you've got to catch, that it's very hard to catch. So I guess my biggest highlight of all is the sense that we've been part of a big project where we've all collectively been uh, holding that stick We've been holding that giant harpoon, and we've been trying occasionally to catch the fish, and I feel that we have caught some fish. So it's been a great joy to be part of it. Thank you. Thank you, Leo. Well, Viv. Well, whenever Leo's speaking, it's like he's reading the audio version of Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> there was no point. No, it hasn't been remotely exhausting, has it, now that we've got to day 47. 
It's, it, it's been going on for quite a long time, hasn't it? So it's been great. Everyone's checking it. Julia's laughing. Um, by a show of hands, could you raise your hand if you haven't met me and spoken to me personally, and if you haven't made a contribution in a session or appeared on a panel? Both of those categories. Okay. Um, oh, okay. Anyone who hasn't spoken to me personally and who hasn't spoken in sessions, I love you. I love you. <laughs> Because I just feel like I'm so overstimulated and so talked out. Thank you. And it's been wonderful, but what's more wonderful about this is that it makes you appreciate silence. Right? Um, there has been a low light for me, not connected to your brother. I would have thought having your brother as your brother probably is a general low light oh, in life. Sure, sure. Um, but uh, the low light for me was, was uh, not Tom Hollander, he was a highlight, um, but it was when he didn't seem to elaborate on exactly how tall Tom Cruise was um, and how he'd found this out. Uh, I was hoping he was going to demonstrate that. Um, the, the act I felt most sorry for and I thought was the bravest of the whole experience was Redbox. They were brilliant. Um, they were so brilliant. And as they were playing, and I was sort of actually starting to tear up a little bit, um, I looked behind me and there was this sea of lanyards kind of <laughs> wearing their corporate clothes and sort of nodding and, and grieving out. And I was thinking that, that was a tough gig. But you guys, it's the best audience you've ever had. And my favourite, he's, he's sitting there, my favourite, favourite red box person was the man who's got the best job in any band ever. It's where he just sits on a box. <laughs> he sits on a box, sometimes he plays a harmonica, sometimes he drums on it. That's, that's my kind of band. I love it, I love it. Uh, my favourite quote, um, I slightly want to take issue with because I don't think it's true, and I've been trying it out over the past few days. Uh, it came from Mark Henderson. Mark, are you still here? Yeah. Yes, hi. I loved your thing. Um, that was a weird choice. <laughs> uh, he said, uh, this is pertinent, uh, we can breed with whoever we want. Uh, in my experience, that's not true. <laughs> uh, in terms of... Uh, what I've really loved about the last few days is people's attempts to shoehorn connectedness or connectivity or whatever connectity words they could get around the idea of connection into whatever they wanted to say. And I thought it really came together in the final uh, QC business that went on, the witnessing. I thought it was amazing. And then we did all connect, but before then there were many strange elements and for me the, the strongest elements of connection came at the elements of disconnection where you could really feel all of the audience coming together because we were all on side against the performer when there was a mistake so it's when there's a mistake in the room that I really loved so for example I was very moved when Zach uh, was speaking and he started and kind of lost it because he'd never spoken in public about his sister before and we suddenly saw your humanity and your honesty and your authenticity, and I thought that was a really brilliant moment of truth. So thank you very much for that. Uh, and then there was another fantastic moment of disconnection when everything just broke down in the documentary debate, <laughs> and it just went to kind of fight club, basically. <laughs> um, no one 
could say why. There was a woman wearing green trousers, <laughs> shouting at two other women who were arguing over each other. And it was like some kind of alpha female green trouser off. I had no idea what they were arguing about, but I absolutely loved it. And in that moment, I, I felt very connected. Um, <laughs> And I also loved the moment when the, the auto cue went down. Oh, yes. Yeah, that was just also brilliant. And Julia, you made a brilliant intervention to sort of pretend it wasn't happening and <laughs> move it on. That was, I just absolutely love that. Um, but I wanted to finish because I do feel there's been one thing really missing um, from the celebration of the last three days of culture, and that's mime. <laughs> So I'd like to, as a final test of your cultural skills, I'd like to attempt three elements of mime, uh, which you can guess what element... Julia looks really nervous. Uh, of the last three days, I'm, the, they each represent something that we've all seen together. So I just want to commemorate those things in mime. Okay. I haven't practised this. Right. Um, okay. This is the first one. Do you have to pretend I've got something on my head? because I think it was only me who noticed it. It was so beautiful. Okay, so this happened. Did anyone else see that? It was Steve Richards after he came off stage. Aww. It was so beautiful because he had a standing ovation and his thing was amazing. And then he came off and he was just like a little boy, like, I did good, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> it was so sweet. Um, but my favourite one that you must all participate in, and I'll try and recreate it to the best of my ability, if you could all shout at me on the count of three, expressionist. <laughs> <laughs> One, two, three. Expressionist. <laughs> thank you, Bib. Thank you, Leo. Thank you, Robert. And... Thank you, everybody. I'd just like to um, finish with one of my favourite quotations from Louis McNeese, and then actually something that Jude said, which I really think needs saying again. Louis McNeese wrote in one of his poems, and I think it applies so well to what's gone on here this weekend. World is crazier and more of it than we think, incorrigibly plural. And it was Jude who said this morning when she was talking about culture and our connectedness through cultures, we need to fall in love with one another daily. Thank you very much. That was the Names Not Numbers podcast. There are many more on namesnotnumbers.com. Thank you for listening.